Hello, I'm Bill Neary, Executive Director. I'm fortunate today to luckily have uh, Senator Patrick Dignan joining us. Senator Dignan has been in the General Assembly when he got first got elected in 2002 and served until 2016. And since 2017 to, up to today, uh, Senator Dignan has been the uh, member of the New Jersey State Assembly, representing the 18th Legislative District, including my hometown of East Brunswick. So, Senator, it's a pleasure having you. It's great Thank to you, be able to talk about all the things, the innovative stuff you're doing. Uh, as the transformation in transportation is occurring, a great deal of this has to do with the elimination or the reduction in fossil fuels. And I know that's a passion of yours for all the right reasons, because the 40% uh, of our, our air pollution is coming from transportation to begin with. So the yeah. types of programs you're working on is uh, really looking forward into the future, not just our future, but our children, our grandchildren's future. I want to congratulate you for the work you're doing on that. Uh, we have a variety of topics, but I think the number one topic is something that people don't think about is electric school buses. There's 800,000 students a day travel on electric school buses throughout the state of New Jersey. They're all diesel powered. So you've been working on electrification of school buses and programs to go ahead with the uh, reduction in those type of air particulates. Senator, want to tell us more about what your plans are with the electric school buses? Yeah, the, I think the electric school buses are a really good starting point because what people forget, we are the most densely populated state in the nation. However, we are a really diverse state. As I always say to folks, kids commuting to school in Cape May or in Sussex County are totally different than kids commuting to school in East Brunswick or my hometown of South Plainfield or in Newark or Jersey City. Uh, you know, where in Jersey City, probably one block fills up the school bus in Cape May. I, I remember my nephews, they live in Tewksbury. It used, they used to be on the school bus for an hour each way every day to fill up the school. It's, it's a rural part of the state. So, you know, and this, this, this really took a lot of work from a lot of folks. And I particularly want to congratulate the environmental community because they are the ones that took the lead on it. You know, how are we going to how are we going to really assess what we need? And that's really what this program is all about. It's a pilot program. And to make it simple, it's 15 million bucks a year over a three-year period. And it's basically going to be six districts, North, Central, Southern New Jersey, uh, and each year and see how it works. You know, as, as the, uh, incidentally, the DEP commissioner, Le Tourette, he is absolutely terrific. And he lives in Highland Park. I don't know if you know him or not, Bill, but a really, a really good person common sense and an incredible advocate and at bottom line wants to get things done. And as he was saying to me, and I never really thought about it, Pat, it's going to be different during the summer when the air conditioning is on in the bus, as opposed to in the wintertime when the heat is on in the bus. And again, to use the Newark experience, um, is the bus going to be able to make the entire route if they're stuck in traffic? And then we're, and this is the, this has become the big issue. And Bill, I'm sure it's an issue in, in, in East Brunswick also, charging stations. Everybody wants a charging station. We gotta have access to charging stations, but wait, not on my block. Well, not on my block. Um, you know, even with the planned unit communities, condominiums, et cetera, you know, everybody agrees there should be a charging station, but now we, we don't want it next to the reception hall. No, we don't want it next to where the first tee is on the golf course. So, you know, all these things sound so simple, but they really aren't. So really this whole project, plain and simple, is to, over a three-year period, 45 million bucks committed to it, gonna be administered through the Department of Environmental Protection to figure out how it works, to, to see what the challenges are. I've been told, whether it's true or not, 
that you know, because uh, California was way ahead of the, uh, the curve when it came to electric buses for mass transit. Somebody told me that half of them aren't in use anymore because they didn't have the proper, they weren't fit, fitted in a proper way. I don't know if that's true or not. We don't want that to happen in New Jersey. An electric school bus obviously costs a whole lot more than the old diesel buses, and there's investments going to be larger. Uh, it's the cost ratio in terms of uh, maintenance being cheaper, yeah. uh, electricity being cheaper, theoretically. And one of the questions about electricity, of course, is New Jersey here. We generate our electricity in such a clean manner. It actually does reduce the, uh, the pollution. Uh, I remember talking to you about electric school buses three, four years ago, yeah. about the program. You, at that time, you were saying about how th- something the state has to do, and I'm glad you're doing it. I'm really happy to see Yeah, that. and again, I know a lot of people get frustrated and they say, you know, why are we waiting three years? And I, you know, rather than go, that's why I'm using a California example, rather than guessing at what we need, there may be a totally different type of battery or bus that's, that's appropriate in Newark as opposed to Cape May. I mean, somebody told me, and I should know this, you might know it, that the total school population in Cape May you know, because it's, it's a seasonal town. It's like less than 100 kids in the whole town. So that's, you know, so they, everything's regional down in that part of the state. Well, you're, you're probably right. I mean, you, you, you don't know what the traffic conditions are going to be. You don't know what the weather climates are going to affect the, uh, sure. the uh, impact in these buses. So I think it's a good thing to do a pilot program for remember, evaluation. Remember, remember a couple of years ago, I think it was actually right after Governor Murphy was elected, we had that unanticipated ice storm in the fall. And I remember it took some kids like four hours to get home from school that day. So what if they were on an electric bus? Would it have run out of uh, uh, fuel at that particular point? Well, the other thing we've talked about at KM, we've had a, a webinar on not just to mention electric school buses, electric vehicles in general. It's, a, it's the goal to have these millions of them in place within the next 10 or 15 years. Our electric grid has to also be upgraded. Our transformers yeah. have to be upgraded. There's work that goes into charging stations aren't going to be when there's two people in your neighborhood with the charging their garage. It's no problem. There's 200. It could be an issue. And that's that is the big, big challenge is charging stations. Uh, I was over at JFK Hospital yesterday and I see that they have a couple of charging stations now at the hospital. But they have to become they obviously the county has it in the county administration building. But that has to be it has to be. Hey, let's admit it. You can't be afraid to go in your car and drive to Pennsylvania. You gotta, you gotta know that along the way, you're gonna be able to recharge your battery. Well, the range anxiety is also being addressed by Governor Murphy and your the administration with putting these charging stations along all the state and interstate yep. highways. Yep. It's gonna have these locations. Yeah, every, every rest stop now in New Jersey has them. Which I think is an important thing to have. Oh, if you're gonna, it takes away that, that concern you're talking about. Sure. But you're right, if, you, if you're driving through New Jersey and you feel secure you can make it, <laughs> Going to Pennsylvania, yeah. you might not make it. My, uh, my wife's sister lived in Louisville, Kentucky for a while. And I remember when we used to go visit, we were on the Pennsylvania Thruway for most of the trip. And it was totally rural. I mean, there was nothing. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, if you had an electric vehicle then, you'd be scared to death wondering where's the next charging station. <laughs> and Louisville had electricity when you got there, though, right? Uh, I'm not I sure think, about Kentucky. I just want to make uh, sure. Uh, we're, not <laughs> making fun, we're, not, we're not making fun of our allies. <laughs> no, I'm not making fun. I just want to I'm just reassuring people. Okay. I know New Jersey Transit's also investing money in buying electric uh, transit buses. Uh, Jersey City's already put in some electric garbage yep. buses, garbage trucks. So I think those things are coming. I, I think. Oh, it's, that- it's, abs- it's, it's absolutely coming. Hey, the big issue is, you know, I know that 
when, uh, and you may recall this, um, not that long ago, 40% of New Jersey's energy was generated by nuclear. That's another issue. Now we're moving away from that, from that power source. You have to get an, an alternate power source. So as they say, if it was easy, we would have done it already. Uh, this, is, this is difficult stuff. And, and, and the thing that's so interesting about it is everybody has the same goal in mind. Nobody, nobody wants an environmentally unsafe uh, world to live in and raise their grandkids in. But the other, but how are we going to do it? But the, that's part of the cost equation that people sometimes forget is the, uh, the health benefits. I mean, what, what, we, what we're spending, you're talking about allergies earlier and asthma, with people getting health benefits. Uh, we know at the beginning of COVID, when transportation, when, tra- when people weren't driving their car as much, air in New Jersey improved by 30% within a couple yep. months. Yep. And just think of the, the social impact of that. And incidentally, I, you know, they talk about frontline workers, but somebody that I tip my hat to every time I get the chance is bus drivers during the pandemic. Could you imagine being a bus driver in a confined area with different folks getting on and off the bus all day long and continuing to show up for work in the morning, not knowing who was positive, who wasn't positive? I mean, you talk about heroes. And again, our transportation system continued to function during. So, you know, we really don't tip our hat to to those that, that are on the front lines as much as we should. And well, can, you know, Keith Mill 6 movie, how much we promote mass transit. We actually had to pass a bill recently to increase the penalties for whatever reasons, passengers start getting, getting aggressive and threatening conductors. I mean, crazy. We, somebody suggested that we, um, on each uh, uh, train into New York, that we, we have one car designated that you had to wear a mask. And the director uh, said to me straight out, Pat, how are we going to enforce that? People will purposely go into that car without a mask on and, and cause a fight. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. So well, people, give, give, give those employees credit. They, they stood up to the plate and continue to stand up to the plate. They are. I mean, they, it's always been a challenge to begin with to have people use mass transit. But when you had people also, the drivers and the passengers had the same kind of fear. And basically the people who are using mass transit time are also essential workers. Sure. They, were, they were going That's to the, they had to go to grocery stores and the, sure. uh, and, and the, and the restaurants and the hospitals. You know. People are scared. Let's admit it. You know, it's 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 uh, it's it's been a scary, scary time, and it isn't totally over yet. But we gotta we gotta hang in there, <laughs> and we will hang in there. Of course, we, we always have. And this is where some of the transformations we're talking about is going to be occurring societal. And I, I think I think the electric vehicles phenomena and the autonomous vehicle transitions in the future are going to have such a major impact on people's lifestyles, their their, their workplaces, their everything is going to change. And as a chairman of the Senate Transportation Committee, I know you see these changes on a day-to-day basis and hear from the people who are doing the, uh, the crystal ball reading. Yeah. Uh, I got to tell you, uh, Kevin Corbett from New Jersey Transit, uh, Diane from uh, Department of Transportation, they get it. Uh, they, they, they absolutely positively realize the challenges we have. You have to realize, without mentioning names, that for the prior eight years, New Jersey Transit was absolutely ignored. Uh, in fact, the, the, the budget was diverting money from New Jersey Transit to other purposes. Since Governor Murphy's taken over with Kevin and with Diane, they really have put transit as uh, top of the heap. And I think they're doing a great job. I happen to agree with you. Struggle. I mean, it's, yeah, you got to catch and up. That, and that goes with the Gateway Tunnel Project, too. Absolutely. It probably would have been completed almost by now 
Would have been. And, would have been. Yeah, you'd be yeah. you'd be going through. And I was just uh, two, three weeks ago at North Portal Bridge. Now that's going to be finally done, which incidentally is amazing the way the trains go flying through there. And they actually use a, a, a hammer to, to close it. To close it. I know. <laughs> Crazy. I think it was uh, built in 1920 or something like that, I believe. Well, and the tunnel was like 1905 or something. Yep, yep, so, yep, I mean, yep. it, it's, it's time to invest. I mean, you think? <laughs> and let's admit it. Why? Why is New Jersey the economic engine? Because of transportation. We're between, you know, we're between the north and the south. Everything, everything that flows across commerce comes through New Jersey. Benjamin Franklin barrel open yeah. at both ends. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And uh, well, I think George Washington Bridge was built during the Depression. So I mean, yep. the, yeah, the you were there for the ribbon. You were there for the ribbon cutting, right? I was oh, really yeah. young. I was really young, <laughs> but. but but I, I I went there only to see George Washington. He wasn't even there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I think that's exactly some of the things we're talking about. When we're talking about transportation, we're also talking about things that we work on is safety. Uh, we I mentioned about the reduction in traffic during the COVID. We did not have a reduction in crashes or fatalities or serious injuries because people's speed increased. Uh, New Jersey's passed the safe passage law now, passing law. Uh, there's things that we're working on that are really dynamic in terms of creating safer streets for us because the streets aren't just going to be for the cars and trucks and buses also for everybody. Yep. So uh, it is, it, it is, we, we passed the safe pa- passing law, uh, which was really the origin of it was a tragedy that happened. You're probably aware over by the Costco in Edison, but it's the good news is I think as a result of COVID people started walking more, riding their bikes more, but the bad news is, it's scary. I mean, I'll walk in the afternoon and people go flying past you 40 miles an hour. Uh, you know, I walk sometimes with my grandkids and there are not sidewalks in my neighborhoods, which is something, again, that, you know, you're a former mayor. I think the waiver for sidewalks, we have to rethink. I really think that basically every every neighborhood should now have sidewalks where it's a safe place for people to walk. I also think we might have to consider widening the dedicated roadways rather than the existing uh, 30 feet dedication. We might want to make it 40 and put walking areas on each side. We really have to look at this from, from uh, a, a different point of view because it is frightening. It, it is absolutely frightening. I was driving recently down one of our main town uh, streets here in South Plainfield, Park Avenue, and a young man was riding his bicycle along the side of the road and cars are flying past him at 40 miles an hour. It, it actually frightened me just to watch him do it. It's something that we have to get a handle on. I, I will say in, a, in East Brunswick's benefit, We've seldom gave waivers for sidewalks. They're all sidewalks. I mean, the town's yeah, dedicated but that's, to that's, well, And that is a good thing. I, I'll also say that the, uh, the statistics will show you that although our highways, the high-speed roads, the interstates, the turnpike, the, the major state highways, has more cars, more vehicle miles traveled, a lot of the crashes occur right in your neighborhood. Exactly oh, sure. what you're saying. The person okay. going 40 miles an hour in a 25-mile zone is far more dangerous than somebody going 70 on the turnpike. Yeah. And again, there's blame to be shared too. You know, you see people walking with the odds in their ears, talking to their friends, not paying attention. Uh, so it's got to be, in fact, uh, I was talking to our superintendent of schools and they are going to stress, I think throughout Middlesex County now, but bicycle and uh, pedestrian safety to the kids in, in the lower grades. Because I know when I was in school, they actually used to teach about putting out your hand and that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't know if they still do that or not, but Kids also have to be taught that if there's a stop sign, they got to stop at it, just like a car's got to stop at it. I was a lieutenant on my safety patrol in sixth grade. I just like okay. to brag. You know, we used to have a yeah. little. Oh, sure. There. The crossing guards. Absolutely. Yeah, the crossing guards. Well, the, was, it, 
And you took you classes. Know, it, was, it was good. You're talking about the Commissioner DOT. She's been very supportive of what we've done in the TMA world with uh, the Safe Routes to School program. Each one of us, the eight different TMAs, including Keep Middlesex Moving, has a Safe Routes to School coordinator to teach bike and pedestrian safety. And our coordinator's done a great job with bike rodeos and things like that. It's been very successful. The schools have been very open to have people come in and help them. Of course, COVID put the brakes on that too. So it's uh, yeah. been difficult, but it's coming back. It's coming back very strong. I have to say, you know, being down in train now, this is now my 21st year. I've dealt with various different departments. And I have to say that the commissioner, uh, DMV, and, and uh, uh, New Jersey Transit have been a pleasure to deal with. They are, they hate, obviously they have their limitations, but they, they try. When you call them about something, a particular issue, they try. And that's why I would agree. I would agree with you. For us, for us in the world that we work in, they've been very supportive too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Senator, I want to thank you for taking up the time. I really Anytime. appreciate that. Anytime. Uh, hope you keep up the good work and keep, uh, keep the 18th district as well represented as you have been in the past. Appreciate and it. And you keep on doing what you're doing. It's no, it's no mistake that East Brunswick it's such a great town. You're you're an essential part. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank Have you. Have a good day. Funded by the North Jersey Transportation Planning Authority and the Federal Highway Administration.